Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Well, amen. I'm proud to and humbled to be able to say first uh, sermon as your official pastor. Amen. And so that's a good thing, as I am very, very excited to see what God has in store. You know, I've shared with some of you, and, and really nobody knows all that God has been doing over the last, uh, honestly, years in preparing for this time. I feel like in my heart and in my ministry, and I'm very excited to see, looking back at all the things that He's been doing in preparation. Isn't it great to know that we have a God that knows everything? And He's moving in your life today to prepare you for something tomorrow, next week, next year. I've had the privilege of the last seven years of serving as an assistant pastor under a wonderful leader, wonderful man of God that's been over 30 years at the church that we were at serving together and learned a tremendous amount. And, you know, just seeing all the things, especially over the last year and a half that God has done, it's just like I've shared with you about that piece of embroidery, you know, that we see all the knots, but God sees the beautiful picture. And looking back in my life, I see the knots, but I begin to see now more of the picture. And I'm just excited, and I hope you are too. And the message tonight is really to kind of inspire you as we kick off this new chapter. Amen? Amen. You know, this is just another chapter in the book of the story of Magnolia Springs Baptist Church. You know, a chapter has closed, and there's been many chapters before that. A lot of things that have happened. There's been ups and downs. There's water under the bridge. There always is. But this is a new page. It's a blank page in a new chapter that God is just beginning to fill the page in with the words and the story that He is writing. We know, of course, the Bible is His story. It is His love letter. It is His story to us. And He's writing a story about us in Magnolia Springs Baptist Church now. And I'm just excited to see what He's going to fill those pages with and what the story is going to look like as God completes it. Well, tonight as we take a look at our passage of Scripture here, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And the Bible tells us here, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of a fullness of Christ." that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase in the body, and to the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray. Father God, I do rejoice and thank you so much this evening to be having the privilege to be used by you, to have each one of us to be used by you. God, it is an honor for each one of us as a Christian, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that we have another day that we can be an instrument in your hands. That we have another day, God, that you can write a beautiful story through us. That, God, every day is an opportunity for us to do something of kingdom eternal value. And so, God, I pray that each one of us will be challenged. We will be excited about the opportunities that you present to us each and every day. I love looking at the book of Acts and the book of Ephesians when we talk about church growth. 
We talk about Christian growth. Because, Father, truly, we see, and I love again the book of Acts, how it says you add it daily unto the church. That, God, your goal is not just to see activity in your name on Sunday, but that every day we would be actively serving, loving, and caring for you and for those around us. And so, Father God, I pray tonight that you'd help to begin to stir the fire within us for the mission we have before us, the purpose we have, the part we play, the provision we have, and the provider we have. We thank you, Father, to know that, God, we want to enter into ground that we don't know. We want to enter into territory that we don't know. We want to go places and do things, God, that only you are capable of doing. And so, Father, we want to be in line with you. We want to be in tune with you. We want you to be the head of the body. And so, God, tonight, may you speak through these words. Speak through this, your servant tonight, Lord. Just encourage this body as we come together to serve you faithfully here in this place in your name and for your honor and for your glory. And so tonight, Lord, we ask the blessing again for all things and the honor and glory to be to you. As I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I kind of want to set some things up for you tonight. I gave everybody that handout, and I'll be referencing that as we look at these scriptures. Um, this, again, is something that God laid on my heart probably five or six years ago. It's kind of a culmination of a lot of different things that I've seen that God has taken me to. And I never have been able to implement it, and God says, now's the time. And we need to talk about this cross and what we can do, each and every one of us, in fulfilling what God has for us. And as you look here at Ephesians, beginning there in verse 11, I want you to understand that the, the message tonight is really about loyalty and about de dependability. You know, God is looking for people that are loyal and dependable. Would you not say so? I mean, if you think about Jesus, when he gathered the disciples, he wasn't looking for the most intelligent people. He wasn't looking for the most beautiful people. He was looking for people that would be available. People that would be dependable. You know, we're going through Sunday nights and we're going to continue looking on Sunday nights, Lord willing, there of looking at that John chapter 14 through 17 where Jesus knows it's, it's just a matter of hours. I mean, the days are up. The time is up. And a new chapter is fixing to start and he's got to get those disciples to go and to continue and to carry on after all the terrible things that are about to happen and they're about to see. And so as we look and we know that there's a challenge before us and we need to be understanding the purpose and understanding that God can use me. Amen. And I'm talking about me, I'm talking about you. We need to stand up and say, God, whatever it is you have for me, I'm available. And we need to be dependable to God. We need to be available to God. And that's what the disciples were. They weren't the best, but they're what Jesus needed. And I think so many times that's one of the big things the old devil does with us. He says, well, you're not good enough. You know, you don't teach well enough. You don't speak well enough. You don't know enough to be able to do that. And, and we got to be willing to kind of get out of our comfort zone sometimes, don't we? I always say, I'm glad Jesus didn't do just what was convenient. I'm glad D Jesus did what he had to do. Because I don't know about you, but I ain't leaving heaven once I get there. I want to stay with Jesus. Now, Jesus will leave. I'll go with Jesus, but I want to be with Jesus. And so Jesus did what he had to do. And in many situations as Christians, that's part of the challenge of a Christian life is that you can't just sit back and take it easy. you got to keep moving and going and doing. And God will continue to stretch you. He'll continue to challenge you. And he'll continue to face obstacles before you. But it just makes you stronger. And I tell you what, when you look back and you see all that God did, you got to say amen, right? 
And so understanding that God wants people who are available, that they are loyal, and they're dependable. And, and I want you to understand tonight, each one of us has a part, a purpose, we have progress that we need to make, and we have a provider that is there for us. We have a part, we have a purpose, we have progress we need to make, and we have a provider. The first thing I want you to see is in verse 11, we all have a part. The Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, some mowing the lawn, some cleaning the church, some playing the music, some leading the music, some being missionaries, some... The list goes on, right? I mean, I'm glad to know that God is a creative God. If everybody looked like me, it'd be a scary place. You're not supposed to laugh at that, you know? No. <laughs> We're all different. We're uniquely created by God. And one of the other things that tends to happen to us too is that unfortunately we sometimes look at other people and say, well, you know, we get jealous. Or, you know, we, we, we get jealous and what we think is, well, why are they doing that? Or I wouldn't do that that way. I wouldn't do it that way. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest things that bugs me in church that I've seen happen so many times is when somebody's doing something. Amen. Somebody's doing something, Right? And, and, and other people are sitting back doing nothing. And guess what they're doing? Well, I wouldn't do it that way. What are they doing? And what I like to say is then you do it. If you don't like the way it's being done, then you do it, right? I mean, hey, hey one of the things, listen, I've been in management since I was 19 years old. And I've always said I would rather have somebody make a wrong decision, but at least they made a decision. Absolutely. At least I can turn a moving ship. Try to turn a car that ain't moving. You can turn the steering wheel all you want. A lot of effort, a lot of work, but it ain't going to go nowhere. It's like worry. Worry is a rocking chair. You can put a lot of effort into it, but you're just rocking back and forth. You're not going anywhere, right? So, you know, we, we've got to understand that we all have a part. And we may not have the same part, and that's okay. If we were all preachers here tonight, who would do the rest of the work? Who would play the music? Who would sing? Who would do the things that need to be done in the church, right? So we all have a part, and so understanding that that's okay. And, and the point is, we are each needed, right? You know, we have a part. I mean, I'm, I'm not concerned, but you know, we're at a very, a lot going on in the church life right now. You realize, you know, committees and, and nominations and teachers and the, and the church year starts September 1, right? So we got a lot of things to get done here in the next month, month and a half of getting prepared for the new church year. One of the things I'm looking at right now is what are the committees and what are they doing? I don't want to just see names on some slots just because we got to get four people. Let's just, you want to do it? You okay with that? And put your name down. And then what do the committees do? Don't do anything. If we don't have a committee that's actually doing something, then why do we have a committee? So I want to see people getting involved and I want to see people plugged into doing something. I think I've shared this story before, but you know, one of the first homes, or actually the first home that we bought, Renee was pregnant with Jessica, our youngest daughter, who's now 22, almost 22. And that home was terrible, terrible, 900 square foot, um, you know, $30,000 home, little home in a terrible place in Evansville, Indiana. People chain smoke, so I mean, you could go in there and you could spray, you know, cleaner on the wall and it just run off the walls. And she's pregnant. And so I had to go in and I had to scrub the place down and pull up carpet and paint and do all this preparation. And she couldn't do any of it because she couldn't be around that, right? She never liked that house. 
But to me, it was different. Why was it different to me than it was her? Because I put some effort into it. It was cheap. It was cheap, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> all right, all right. But see, the difference was she didn't put anything into it. It was just a, a, a dirty little place to her. But to me, it was me. I had cleaned those walls. I had replaced that carpet. I had done that work. And I had put labor into it. I had skin in the game. And so it meant something to me. And I want to tell you something. If you want church to mean something to you, put something into it. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but guess what? It's recorded. And it's going on the website. And it's going out for everybody to hear and see. And this is just the beginning. This is going to be the continual message that we need to hear and get on board with for what's going to happen in our church. You know, you have to understand something, folks. And this is what I say, and I mean this with all sincerity. I need you more than you need me. Do you understand that? See, I, I hope everybody understands something. I'm, I'm not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior, amen? I'm just a man. But hopefully I'm a man to come in and lead and to help equip you and to help get you on board with what you need to do. And I want to assist you to fulfill the ministry that God has for you because you have a part. I think we need Sunday school teachers and some more Sunday schools. Amen? Yeah? Okay, well, you know, how are we going to make that happen? Somebody's got to step up and fill that role. And what I want is people to say, that's me. What I want to start seeing is I want to sit down and I want people to come to me and say, Pastor, I really have a burden to do this. Well, let's see how we can make it happen. What can I do to help you, assist you, and to facilitate and help you to accomplish that? that will, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to make this pastor's heart warm, you want to make me happy, come to me and tell me something you want to do. And I'll help you do it. I'll help you do it. And I don't want to just plug you in. You know, we get into that where we start trying to square, push square pegs into round holes. You know and you should be praying about your part. What is it that God has for me to do and to accomplish for Him? Because He gives everybody different gifts. What is it that you have that God can use for His honor and glory? If you look at the next part, we have a purpose. So we have a part. We have something that we can fill, something that we can be a part of. But verses 12, you look at verse 12. Why? Why should I teach Sunday school? Why should I visit? Why should I be involved with the evangelism committee? Why should I be involved with the recreation committee? Why should I be involved with the long-range planning committee? Why, why should I do this? And here's something, a gut check too, as to why you should, not just because you want your name on something or you want to be involved in something for prestige or power or any of that. It's for this, verse 12. You have a part and you have a purpose in that part. The Bible says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. I have used this verse as a definition of my ministry since day one. My ministry, my purpose for God has been to perfect the saints, help perfect the saints, help to educate, teach, and lead the saints for the work of the ministry, right? You know, to help you do your part, to fulfill your purpose, to get you involved in whatever avenue that is that you can serve God, and ultimately for the edifying of the body of Christ. Our ministry ultimately is see the lost come to know Jesus. Amen? That's the ministry. Why is Magnolia Springs Baptist Church, why is any church here to reach the lost? 
to be a lighthouse, to be salt and light to the world, to change the world, to continue the message of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Christ that can change hearts and lives. I want to see families put back together. I want to see people and the world turned upside down for Jesus today. And that's the purpose of the ministry of the church. And the purpose of us is to fulfill that. And our purpose, if you take a look, I want you to see the handout I gave you. So here in verse 12, it's talking about for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and the building up of the body of Christ. I use the cross, and if you take a look down there, it kind of goes along with Jesus who said, take up your cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? Also, when I talked with the pulpit committee, one of the things that I expressed to them is that my desire is to get to know everybody. Folks, I've learned. You know, I, I look back and, you know, my resume, my first church, I was there a little over five years, I think it was, or right at five years. Next church, I was youth pastor and served at youth pastor for a couple of years. Next church, I actually went full time. It was a church that couldn't afford a full-time pastor, and I was their first full-time pastor, and sure enough, they could not afford a full-time pastor. Then I went and served seven years as assistant pastor. And I look back at each one of those steps, and I've learned so much. I've kept great friends in each and every one of them. One of the biggest things that I have learned throughout all of my career in ministry is relationships. And I say it all the time about the lost world. A lost person needs to know how much you care before they care about how much you know. Going out on the street corners and yelling and preaching Jesus isn't going to catch a lot of fish. I say we need to love people to Jesus. That's how Jesus did it. Now, there's a place for all of that. I believe in tract ministry. I believe in street evangelism and all those things. But you can't count on that to build your church. It's relationships. Do you realize 86% or better of people come to church because of a friend or relative? I think 9% come because of a pastor's invitation. And again, you, did you just pat there? Right? How'd you get here? How'd you get here? You know, 86% of people come to church because of a friend or relative. I need you more than you need me. God needs you more than he needs me. We've got to serve and fulfill the purpose that God has. And so relationships, and so that's what I added to this over what God gave me a few years ago was the relationship piece. And if you take a look there, the first thing is carrying our cross and what we need to do as Christians and worshiping God. And, you know, this is really the functions of the church. One of the first functions there is that we're to reach up and to have a good relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Worship. Mr. Bill hit it on the head last Wednesday night. He was stealing some of my thunder. <laughs> Worship should bring you to tears when you're in God's house. Should make the hair stand up when you're in God's house. Pat was talking about today with me. When you say Jesus around Mr. Bill, what happens to him? I mean, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Friends, if that doesn't excite you, there's something wrong with you. You need to know Him, right? So we, we got to get excited. And I'm not talking about drums. I'm not talking about praise bands. I'm talking about having a heart connected to God. Saying, you know what? I'm going to sing louder than Vern whether he likes it or not. 
I'm going to push him off the stage because I want to be up there shouting to Jesus, right? I mean, it's, it's, no, we need to do more of that. No, we've got to go. We gotta, I want to worship God more. We need to have a heart for worship. And we've got to have a right relationship with God. So how's your relationship with God? How's your worship? Why ain't the church fuller on Wednesday night? We're worshiping God tonight, right? We've got to reach out. And that's over to the right there, actually, however you look at your paper there. But number, number four, I guess, it or number two, we've got to reach out. And that's what the cross is doing this way. So I'm reaching up and I'm, I'm reaching out. We've got to have relationships with those that are... Anybody have a relationship with someone who's lost? Right? Amen? If not, there should be more people here tonight. But we know a lot of lost people. We need to minister to them. And that's where evangelism comes in. And that's where ministry comes in. By us serving and doing something that we can do to help to reach the lost. And developing relationships and, and encouraging them to come to know Christ. We need to reach in. As a church, we need to develop our relationships with each other. Fellowship, right? We need to love each other. We need to embrace each other. We need to have things that help us to grow tighter and closer together. The world's a tough place, amen? Yeah. And so inside this, you know, I'm telling you, my favorite term for where we are right now is sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. I mean, that just excites me just to say it. It's safe. It's home. We can relax. You know, I, there's times that I'll feel like I'm dragging myself in the front door, beat up, worn down by the world. But I can walk in here and this is holy ground. This is the holy of holies. This is where God meets with His people. This is where we bring... People say, well, I didn't feel the Spirit today. Well, you should have brought Him. <laughs> Amen? Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in a building, dwells in a person. Bring the Spirit with you so everybody else can feel Him too then. But this is a sanctuary. It's a place where we can come and realize, you know what? I am a peculiar person, but that's what God called me to be. Amen? And there's other people like me. And then we go back out there and we get beat up for four more days till we come back again. I can't go a week. We need to worship. We need to evangelize and reach out and minister to people. And we need to fellowship with each other. And then you notice the down. To me, the down is, is really the foundation, is the grounding, is the, where we grow. We put roots down. And that's for us. Our relationship with ourselves. Number one, I think we've got to love ourselves. I don't mean in a prideful way. But before you can love others, you've got to love yourself. And you've got to be honest with yourself. You can't lie to God. And so you've got to be honest with yourself and you've got to say, you know what, God, where am I at? And I talk there about stewardship and stewardship and that kind of thing. When I talk about stewardship, everybody automatically goes to money. You know, I'm talking about time, talent, treasure. All of that needs to be used to bring honor and glory to God. Invest in God's kingdom with time, talent, and treasure. Discipleship, we need to grow. I kind of got ahead of myself because that's actually the next couple of verses. We talk about progress. If you look at verses 13 and 14 in Ephesians chapter 4 there, that's really the down 
and talking about stewardship and discipleship and our relationship with ourselves, the Bible says, till we come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. It's a process, folks. We've got to make progress. And I'm not talking about seeing the bank account grow. And I'm not talking about necessarily even seeing, you know, the church to just explode with people. But we want to see progress. I want to see progress in my life. I want to say, you know what, God, I'm selfish. I'm not as close to you as I want to be. I want more of you. And when we start really hungering and thirsting for righteousness, God will pour it out. I've already told you, I know numerous times, you have as much of God as you want. God's saying, come and get it. I'm not holding back. You have the full knowledge of God in His Word. You have full access to God through the Holy Spirit that He's given you to empower you and to lead you. There's no excuse to not be closer to God than you are right now, other than you don't want it. I often think about to the day of Pentecost. Jesus made them go back and to hunger and thirst for the righteousness. He could have delivered the Holy Spirit the next day. Do you really want it? Then pray. Do you really want it? Then pray. Do you really want it? Pray. I'll never forget again, I look back in my ministry and I've seen so many times where God has had to create that hunger and thirst. Friends, I pray that we always stay selfish and want more of God. God, I want more of you and less of the world. But we're hungry for all we can consume in the world. We need to be hungry to consume all we can with God. And the progress that we can make. And that's what the stewardship and the discipleship is. Is using the relationship with ourselves, loving ourselves and growing. Using our time, talents, our treasures for God and His kingdom. Then the church will have a real meaning to you. It'll feel like something that's special to you. Not just some place you go, but some place that you invest your time, talents, and treasure in. And then finally, in verses 15 and 16, we have a provider. We all have a part. We all have a purpose. We all need to make progress. And we have a provider. The Bible says there in verses 15 through 16, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. Church is like herding cats. You ever heard that phrase? I'm glad that Christ is doing the herding. We have a provider. We have a purpose. We have a, number one, we have a part. Every one of us. We have a purpose. We have progress we need to make. But above anything else, we have a provider who is there to help us along the way. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do, folks. I'm telling you. You know, just for me personally, looking in my life, you know, again, just briefly. You know, I came here last year. Because we were looking for a church home. We've been here since a year ago, October. And honestly, we weren't very encouraged at what we were seeing. 
It's a sad state today in our country, in our world, and in our churches. When I think a lot of times churches are more concerned about keeping people happy and having numbers than having real meat and truth. And I say that not just because I've heard it, but I have heard it, but because I experienced it. We go to church after church after church, and it was just empty. There was no God. There was no spirit. We came here, and we really enjoyed ourselves. We felt love. We felt sincerity. Now, y'all ain't perfect. Slow down. I always said, remember I told I had my first evangelist that I called to preach a revival. He preached a sermon and said, if y'all find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Okay? Ain't no perfect church. We're imperfect people serving in a perfect organization under a perfect head, which is Christ. He loves us even though we're imperfect. So guess what? We got to love each other as well, right? I'm perfect. Renee's not, but I've learned to love her. So we came here and, you know, we felt very good. Enjoy Gary. We had a chance to get to know Gary, and, you know, we felt good about what was going on, and we were ready to join. And then I got the call from the RV park to come and to serve over the winter at the RV park down in Gulf Shores. And we were very reluctant, you know, because it was like, okay, you know, this is, you know, it's non-denominational, and, and they really they even told me one of the things was, we need you to water down the Jesus and evangelism a little bit. And I'm like, okay, that just doesn't, you know, it was really tough, you know. And so I prayed about it and prayed about it. And I said, I still need to go. And we loved it. It was wonderful. It really was. I didn't really water down the evangelism of Jesus either. <laughs> and they loved us and we loved them. And it was a great time. See, I hadn't preached for a year. I'd been out of the pulpit for a year. It don't take long to get out of the rhythm. And so God had taken me away into there. No... There's no strings attached, you know. They don't like me. I really wasn't excited about being there anyhow, you know. If I made a fool of myself, oh well, you know. But it went really well. And God got me back into the rhythm and got me back into the, the groove of preaching and teaching and serving. And so that ended the end of March. And we came back here the first week in April. And I'm looking around and, where's Gary? What's going on here? And James walks up to me. Hey, I remember you. You were coming last year. You're a preacher, aren't you? Well, yeah. yeah we, Gary just left last week. You know, things are going on. Hey, you got a resume? <laughs> yeah, you know, I do. I'm not looking for a church. Guess I'll give you a resume. Actually brought him back five that night, you know, so he had enough. <laughs> and then, of course, things went on and started preaching a little bit for you. And then even that first night, you know, with the pulpit committee, as I sat down with them and you know, I'm in my mind, you know, bivocational, and, you know, maybe I'll do that, and we'll see, and nope, that's not what the church wants. I can't do that. Can't do that. As soon as I left, you know, God got on me and said, you're going to do what I want you to do. Amen. I said, you got it, God. It don't take long. Listen, I've learned to respond real quick to God. Amen. And so I told uh, the gentleman in the, you know, prayer meeting that next Sunday, hey, I'm on board, whatever. Y'all just figure it out. I'll figure it out. And I didn't say anything at the time, but, you know, we came back then, of course, for the final, the offer after the church had approved things. What was really ironic there is we sat down, and I, I think I told James, I don't know whoever might have heard it, but as the pulpit committee presented the offer to me, 
It was the exact number that I had written down after that first night that God gave me. I don't talk numbers. I never have. I never will ask a church for money. And if I call somebody, I'm going to tell you right now, if I call a singing group or if I call a pastor and he says, I've got to have so much money to come, I hang up the phone. Because if you can't trust God to provide for you, then you're not in the right ministry. It's just my philosophy. just the way I am. Come for a love offering. If we have a guarantee that we offer as a church, that should be sufficient enough. But don't give me a number, you know. That's not how God works. And so as they gave it off, they said, well, if you need to pray about it, listen, listen, guys, I don't need to pray about it. Here's just another confirmation. If I haven't prayed about it by now, it's too late, right? So I accept. And those are just, you know, some of the things that God was doing in bringing us to the point that we're at. And I don't say that to toot me or anything like that, but just that's what God's been doing with me. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do with us. Again, I need you more than you need me. God needs you more than he needs me. Together, each one of us doing our part, our purpose, making progress, each one of us individually, and trusting the provider. And so I hope and pray that we just see those great and mighty things that only God can do. Amen? Amen. All right. Invite people to come Sunday. Let's have a great Lord's Day in worshiping Him as we're going to lift Him up in worship. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you tonight so much for your watch care over us. God, there's been so many times that hopefully not just me, but all of us can say, you know, we just didn't know what you were doing, didn't make any sense at the time. But God, after it's been over and we're able to look back, we understand. We'll understand it better by and by. Good old beautiful gospel song. And so, Father, I pray today as we begin this new chapter together, as the body of Christ and believers here at Magnolia Springs Baptist Church, that, God, we truly would shine brighter than ever before, each and every one of us. The church is not a building. The church is the individual believers joined together as the body here. And so, Father God, I pray that you would challenge each and every one of us. I pray, Father, you would lay upon each one's heart what their part is, that they would be willing to jump up and fulfill that purpose. They would make progress and growth in their life, and, God, that they would trust you as the provider. And so, God, I pray, as we all make this journey together, that you would just create again a sense of excitement and wonder and awe in our hearts as we faithfully serve you, as we are loyal and dependable for you to use in your kingdom, God, and for great and mighty things. And so, Father God, I pray you give wisdom. I pray you give clarity to everyone as far as what their gifts are, what their talents are, what their abilities are, and what you would have them to do. Give each one a vision for what part they have and what purpose they have to fulfill the ministry and reaching the lost, fellowshipping with each other, worshiping you, and growing in their discipleship under you, God. And just lead us and guide us. And we won't fail to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for all things. As it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. And amen.